Hi, and welcome back to the Mindful Sport Performance Podcast. I'm Dr. Keith Kaufman. And I'm Dr. Tim Pineau. And today we have with us Roan Morrison. Roan, thank you so much for being here today. Absolute pleasure having me on. Uh, Roan Morrison is a lifetime martial artist and meditator. He's a former professional Muay Thai fighter and now coaches and runs Hanuman Thai Boxing Edinburgh, along with his business partner and dear friend, Votik Alexic. Roan now shares mindfulness with the members, athletes, and anyone that would like to learn to train the mind and establish a meditation practice. Yeah, again, Ron, we're so excited to be talking with you today. Um, and thank you so much for being willing to lead us in our opening meditation practice. Yes, thank you. Uh, no problem at all. Great, absolute honor to be here. Um, and we can maybe just start off by dropping back into the, the soundscape. Just listening. Noticing any sounds, the sound of my voice. Sounds from the distance. Maybe sounds from our own bodies. And we don't have to go out searching for the sounds. Just really relaxing back into the soundscape. And we can bring this relaxed awareness into the body. Maybe getting a sense of the temperature of the air on the skin. Noticing the clothes resting on the skin. Some loose, other tight. Noticing the points of contact. The feet on the floor. The sit bones on the cushion or chair. The hands resting on the lap. And feeling the weight of the body draining through these points of contact. We may notice areas of tension. Maybe in the facial muscles. jaw, shoulders, and seeing if it's possible just to let go of any unnecessary tension, allowing the body to be at ease. And then we might become aware of the body breathing. Noticing that the broad body breathes itself, 
we don't need to get involved, change or improve the breath in any way. And becoming a little bit more curious, interested in the sensations of the breath. Noticing the most prominent sensations that let you know that you're breathing. And applying a more focused attention. Noticing if the breath's long or short. course or fine and if the mind wanders it's not a problem it's just what minds do just letting go of whatever distracts us and returning again to the sensations of the breath And then expanding the lens of attention to include the whole body again. Feeling the body, feeling the breath. Nothing else we need to be doing. really connecting with the aliveness of the body, this whole breathing body. And just for a moment, can let go of any intention to do anything at all. Letting the mind go off duty. Simply being. And then when you're ready, you can open the eyes if you've had them closed, reorient to the surroundings and see if we can bring this presence of mind into listening to this discussion and throughout our day. Thank you for your practice. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for that. I, I feel like I could just listen to you all day. <laughs> I love your voice. <laughs> Glad you guys enjoyed it. I feel a little bit more 
present myself needed that. Yeah. Well, yeah, honestly, I was kind of struck by how much anxiety I think I was carrying in that I totally was not aware of because I noticed like in the middle, like just like how much my mind was wandering and like just thinking about all these other things I had to do, whatever. Um, And it was just like, it really struck me about how, how much that was interfering with being able to just like settle and enjoy like listening to you lead the meditation. And I think by the, by the second half, I was able to, to sink into it, but it made me think about or like associated to like, you know, when you get into like a kind of like a difficult stretch, like for me, it's like the, that like Buddha squat stretch, that like wide stance stretch where you're really kind of letting your hips sink down. It takes me like 90 seconds to like really settle into it before I can like feel my body kind of let go. And that's what this meditation felt like for me. I was like bringing in some tension that I wasn't totally aware of, but like you really helped me to like feel it and let some of it go. So thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that, isn't it? The body's so similar to the mind in that way. I'm always doing good sort of stretching program after my, mm. my training. And it's amazing just that out breath letting go of the breath, letting go of the body and sinking into stretches and the start and the end, the difference yeah. and, uh, and uh, how the, the length of the muscle and the relaxation to the body. And the mind's exactly the same. We can let the mind get so tight, constricted around things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, it, that's exactly what happens around performance, right? We expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know something we, we've talked about some, I think, Tim, you brought it up recently on another podcast episode is the idea of maybe doing some mindful warmups, doing some yeah. brain exercises like this, just as a part of a pre-competitive routine and, and how overlooked that might be. Yeah, for sure. I'm so sold on uh, the mindful warmups. It's, to be honest, for me, it, sport is really another way to kind of bring mindfulness into everything that we do um and things like running skipping the is a, a stable in the the diet of a, a, a thai boxer um it's just it's, it's not a very far uh, stretch from mindful walking you're doing a meditation retreat you know anchoring the attention to the sensations of the uh, food or the whole body feeling the breath and that kind of rhythm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think and the beauty of it is athletes don't have to do anything additional. They don't have to do lots of sitting meditation. All of, you know, any athlete's going to be going through a warm-up program before they start uh, their main practice. So just by bringing the, the mind and really inhabiting the body in, um, in that, it, it's, it, it covers so many different um avenues from training the mind as well as getting the body ready to do what we need to do in in our actual practice and i always love when people do this you did this at the end of your meditation just building that bridge into whatever you're about to do it's like okay we just did this practice and now let's sort of sustain this type of awareness let's keep this presence going as now we have this conversation or as we now have this this sport performance um and actually, I, I don't know if this is a good segue to bring this up, but um, one of the real reasons, uh, big reasons that, that Tim and I wanted to talk with you is this really fascinating conversation we had with you at the end of our instructor training that you were a part of, um, where, of course, you're, you're involved in martial arts and Thai boxing, as you brought up. And 
this idea of getting into a meditative headspace and then bringing that into a sport that involves aggression mm. and, and mm. how, how that works. And, and we just found that to be such a fascinating conversation and would just love some of your thoughts on that and how you work with this. Obviously this is something you bring into not only your own performances, but how you train other fighters. Um, so how, how does that work for you? How do you think about that? Um, yeah, it's, it's a really uh, interesting uh, <laughs> topic, uh, like you've mentioned there. And you can come from so many different avenues, actually. But certainly for me, uh, even as a very young boy growing up, um, I kind of always pegged uh, meditation and martial arts together. You know, you see all the kind of old like kung fu movies, mm -hmm. and and you know, you go right that this is Shaolin and all this um, type of thing. So, for for me, it, it never seemed uh, distinct or, or or separate. Really, there was always an an art in training the mind as well as the body, and you could see that through any of uh, martial artist or a fighter. I think it really depends on the your approach to both the, the sport and the meditation practice. So for, for me, certainly of the last few years, um, I've been very much involved in Buddhist meditation from all sorts of degrees, from you know early Buddhist to the kind of commentaries and not really having a particular um, tradition that I followed in particularly um, but but what strikes me again and again with Buddhism is there's a kind of cosmology and philosophy and psychology um, but I think more importantly it's a kind of ethical mm -hmm. uh, dimension to it actually um, and, and that for me is very interesting then when you bring it into a combative element and essentially fighting you know um, but it all depends on how you view the competition, you know. From my perspective, if I'm going into the ring, I don't have an enemy or an opponent, you know. I don't see it in such a way, but I come with my own skill set and I need my opponent. I need the person standing in front of me to have refined and developed his skill set in order for me to do my job and for me to improve and for them to improve. Um, so I'm not, I'm not wishing harm necessarily on another person at all, even though we're going to go into the ring and try and knock <laughs> each other out. Um, uh, again, it's, it's really refining the, um, the, the skills. This is the, the kind of main, main thrust of what we're doing. So that every time I get in the ring, I'm that, I'm a bit better than I was the last time, you know? Um, and yeah, so this has been a, a, a lot of food for thought for me as well. Yeah. Well, and it, it was making me think about what you were saying before about, you know, that teaching athletes how to be mindful isn't just teaching them how to approach the sport mindfully, but how to be mindful in their lives. It just so happens you're talking with them about their, about their sport. And I, you know, and I think this, what you're saying about martial arts, you know, is like, 
when you really look at it in its in its original context, it, it wasn't just a sport or just a, a way to like have combat. Like it really was about a lifestyle that involved like a philosophy and an ethics. Whether you're talking about right, like the Shaolin Buddhist monks or samurai warriors or whatever. Like, but there was yeah, there was a whole philosophy to it that I think now when we especially like in the West, look at any sport, right? Or think of like, oh, it's just the actions involved in that sport. And so, yeah, those people who are doing Taekwondo or karate or Muay Thai, like, it's like, oh yeah, they go and they beat each other up. Or we have in our minds movies like blood sport, right? <laughs> and it's like, that's probably a gross misrepresentation of like your experience of Thai boxing, you know? Um, but yeah, to have it, to have this image in our mind of like, it's about violence and it's about aggression, and then to take this thing that we know about mindfulness, it's so much about nonviolence. And it's like, wow, how do these things fit together? But yeah, I love you're talking about it. It's so much about intentions, about mindset, right? It's about how you're like, what your, what your true motivations are. Indeed. Indeed. I think in, intention just sums all up and the power of intention is unreal. It's unfathomable. And um, I've, just, I'm still listening to an audio book at the moment uh, by Dr. David Hamilton. He's a, a Scottish guy and he kind of brings science, kind of pop science uh, and explaining the power the mind has on healing the body. Mm. Um, and again, it's just this, the intentionality um, of it and, and what you bring to sport and, and life. Um, and yeah, again, for me, I think that martial arts and these uh, fighting sports kind of a lot of them are starting to lose the the ethics and this kind of uh, code and um, but for me there's so much value in that to produce good athletes that have a great life after sport as well mm -hmm. as well as just creating better people I mean, when you when you look at the, the the history again of why these things were developed, especially with the Shaolin monks, I, I mean, I don't know how um, accurate this is, um, but it was for monks that were going out in arms round to collect food, you know, mm. um, and they were getting attacked by bandits, so they would start to learn yeah. martial arts, yeah. and actually, so we can we can really even go full circle and link this um, development of combative skills in order to protect ourselves and others. So we have this, you know, creating this, 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 uh, another ethical dimension of having um, fighters aren't just guys that are going to beat people up, but they're actually like, you know, pillars of a community. They're, 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 they're good people that you mm -hmm. want to have around because they're, they have the, the power to stand up against people who have the, the, the skill set. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it makes me think of a couple of things. But one is <clears throat> just like, I've always been fascinated by the philosophy behind like Aikido, that particular branch of martial arts and this whole idea that like, I would go into this competitive environment with the intention of not hurting my opponent at all. Like that's my goal is to like resolve this without causing any harm whatsoever. And it's like really amazing to think that you could apply that mindset to combat. Um, but it really is, right? It is about protection and it's about diffusion. It is not about causing causing harm, which is, yeah, it's just like a very different way to, to think about it. But yeah, really 
challenges us to like apply our own values and ethics to everything we do, even the sports we play. Yeah, for sure. I I have found in in all sports, um, but I've also had the privilege to work individually with, with a handful of combat sports participants and, and martial artists. I have found that there, and I don't know if you experienced this, Ron, but there's this belief somehow that, that going into competition, we need to turn our arousal up, right? It's almost like we paint with this very broad brush and, and some sports that can be helpful or some roles within certain sports that can be really helpful. But in a lot of sports and in a lot of roles, it's not super helpful and it's a lot more nuanced than that. Um, and a question I know that I've encountered a lot from, from the martial artists that I've worked with is, how can I go into a fight and not hate my opponent, not use anger, right? Or, or something similar as a fuel to try to get myself ready to fight. If I don't use anger, I'm not going to have my edge. Wow. And I see you're smiling. So I, I, I imagine that's something you've heard before in your work. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in all honesty, for me, fighting's a much more uh, clinical. I need clarity. Anger, hatred, all of these things, they cloud the mind. They, they, they make you reactive. And, and actually, it's not so helpful, really, when we're, when we're fighting. We, we do need sometimes a turning on of a positive aggression, right, of, a, of, an, of, of an energy, sure, um but yeah we don't need you know we don't we don't need to get involved in kind of emotional stuff it's actually one of the reasons that i really uh liked your guys course when i was re- reading over it uh first of all because it's very much an embodied sense of mindfulness mm. um and this is really the the kind of core anchor that we need when we're doing sport yeah. um and it's why i guided the meditation there as well. We need to have uh, a, a real sense of inhabiting our, our body. We need to be able to um, refine and focus our attention very narrowly if we want to change a technique, refine something. But then we also need to have a, an awareness of the whole body as it moves and breathes and performs the skill. And certainly from my perspective, from combat sports, then the majority of our attention needs to go outward to the other person and filter things from the outside, maybe sounds. We don't need to hear fans or um, or certainly the the opponent's fans screaming things at you, (laughs) but we do need to hear what the coroner says, you know, Mm -hmm. giving us direct instruction. Um, And if we're in some kind of mind state where we're like just out to get and, you know, dismantle the person in front of us um, out of, you know, anger or hatred, it'll cloud the mind too much. It'll take away from all of these um, experiences. And and really for me, I, I started meditating when I was, you know, very young. I, I had a taste of it anyway. Like my mother used to meditate um, when I was like seven years old or something like that. I would go up and sit with her. Uh, but it was quite periodic, and then I didn't really get into uh, meditating uh, properly until I was maybe 17 or so. Um, and I think, like like everybody, that can be a challenging time for me. It was particularly, um, you know, get involved in drugs, a lot of trouble, that type of thing. Um, so 
it was a kind of intervention for me at that stage. But afterwards, when I realigned my, again, going back to intention and what I valued in doing sport, um, meditation really was a way to develop this embodied sense to kind of focus the mind. Um, so that when I performed, when I was competing, I could access a flow state. Um, and, and I mean, anyone that's listening that's an athlete um, that's even had a glimpse um, of these kind of states, for me, I mean, it's, 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 it's why life was worth living for so long. It's just a, a, a fabulous um, experience. Um, and again, if you have things like anger, hatred in the mind, you're you're never going to access yeah. these these states. It's it's just going to be a, a hard work experience. It's not going to be particularly pleasant. It's just going to feel like a fight or flight, life or death situation. Which, I mean, there's elements of that absolutely in fighting, but um, it's not going to produce the same uh, benefits as these flow states and the, and and the development where you can really perform at your at your at your utmost yeah i was just it was just thinking about that you know thinking about all of the just the, the anecdotal research i've read about people describing their experience of flow states and i've never once read and heavily talked about it. i was so angry and then i got into flow <laughs> <laughs> right, and yet, it, it, oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say that and i love what you're talking about this idea of clarity of thought and how how like anger it can be so so clouding because I, I do think I mean we talk a lot about you know where we direct our attention and how to how to spend that like really valuable resource that we have and to your point if you're in the middle of the ring and you need to be listening to your corner and you need to be looking at your opponent any bit of bandwidth that you spend looking at your own anger right being like I'm so angry I hate this person whatever it is like that's bandwidth that you're not spending like thinking about your own technique, right? Like watching this person and figuring out what moves they need to make next. Like it just, it, it is going to sap our attention, right? It is going to, is going to sap our ability to perform in the ways that we really want to perform, right? With that, with that clarity of mind that you're talking about. When I am I'm working with athletes, you know, I often like to say, you know, playing with anger is like shooting with a shotgun. Like maybe you'll hit your target, but you're probably going to hit a, a lot of other stuff too. Um, and it's just not as focused, right? It's not as fine-tuned as you really need it to be in most circumstances. Um, and I mean that both in terms of like when you're actually playing the game, if you're angry, right? If you're in a team sport like lacrosse and like that, you're more likely to get fouled out, right? If you're, if you're doing a combat sport, you're more likely to fall for some opponent baiting you into some move, you know? Um, and so like, how do you how do you step back from that, right? Make decisions that are actually in line with your goals and your values, right? Like, and, and playing in a particular way that makes you feel good or actually achieving a, a win, right? Because if you get fouled out, you're probably not going to really be helping your team. And so like helping athletes understand that anger when used in that way often does more harm than good, not just in their sport, but out of their sport. We carry that with us again, after we're done playing, after we're done practicing, um, I could only imagine kind of what some of your experiences have been seeing fighters who who fight angry and then like what happens in the rest of their lives, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I've even uh, at uh, times used this approach myself, right? Um, and I even at one point actually was trying to cultivate 
um, this kind of aggression in my um, visualization practice. So I, I've, I've had direct experience of this. And actually, for sure, what you're saying about anger and then getting caught up in stories of, I'm going to do this and blah, 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 right? It's obviously going to detract. But there's also the other end of the spectrum with anger, which actually does sharpen focus. But it, it's like having blinkers on. It, you don't get the full picture, mm. you know? So it might increase focused attention, um, but it's much less balanced in the... So one of the experiences I, that I can recall um, that I was kind of using this tact, I was so switched on and so forward fighting and aggressive that I ended up getting knocked out when I should have uh, been able to realize, oh, this this isn't this tact isn't working. Mm. I need to sit back. I need to use a bit more defense, especially when I got hurt, when I got hit. I knew that would have been time to to uh, step off, relax, make distance, change change tactic. But because you're so blinkered and you're and you're so solely after the destruction of your opponent, mm. um, you don't see these things and you don't hear the corner you don't you know so sometimes it can actually heighten and sharpen our attention but in a very fixed way yeah well yeah i hear you saying it like it sharpens our focus but it in some ways takes away our choice in terms of what we're focusing on for sure flexibility exactly that yeah what what i what i often think of and, and the way i explain it to some clients i think especially some of the younger clients that i work with it's it's like fuel right? Like picking which fuel is going to be most efficient, that if you pick something like fear or anger, it can work to some extent, there can be some benefits of that. But I like Tim's shotgun analogy, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's a lot of unintended consequences to doing that. And, you know, I, I, so I don't remember if I've referred to this ever on our podcast, but, but I, I've actually started referring to the Pixar movie Monsters, Inc. a lot. <laughs> um, because, and, and, you know, Pixar is one of those, you know, if you've got kids, you've probably seen a lot of Pixar movies, but they have messaging for adults snuck in there too. Uh, I reference Inside Out a lot as well. <laughs> um, but Monsters, Inc., the whole kind of, sorry, spoiler alert, if, if someone hasn't seen it, like kind of the, the big takeaway is instead of using fear to fuel their monster society, at the end, they realize that that laughter is actually a much more potent fuel mm. that they can collect smaller amounts of laughter. And it has this unbelievably powerful effect. Um, and I think about that all the time in the context of what we're discussing, because it, it sounds like you're saying, Rowan, if, if you're not using anger, right, and, and instead you're using something else that, that puts you into a flow state, right? Because we talk about mindfulness so much about choice, about awareness, um, you know, seeing what's happening, choosing how you're going to approach a competition. You know, when you were just talking about flow, it sounds like basically you're choosing joy, you're choosing the love of the activity. You're choosing the embracing the moment, the experience itself as your fuel, which I think really fits with the sports science literature that suggests the gold standard of motivation is mastery, right? Mm-hmm. Pursuit of mastery, mm-hmm. pursuit of excellence, um, and, and how that is a much more potent fuel that can get us into flow, possibly, or, or certainly enhance our experience. But what I love about what you're saying is you've experimented with these different things and maybe where mindfulness comes in is this is now a conscious choice that you make. And mm-hmm. perhaps that you can train your students to also make a conscious choice. Like if you find yourself using anger, well, what are the implications of that? And what alternatives might there be for how you'd approach your opponent or a, or a particular bout? 
Yeah, 100 uh, percent. I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's 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 very it's very interesting. Again, like for me, it always just comes back to this choice of just being with experience within the body and letting go of anything else. And I think that's um, often when people are applying mindfulness to sport, there's like that something can be overlooked in that mindfulness practice when we're in sitting in meditation we can you know we can really become aware of the thinking process itself you know and we can and we can uh, ex- almost extrapolate on each of the of the, of our whole experience you know whereas actually when we're doing sport sometimes um getting into any thinking at all is going to be um not so helpful, right? It's going to be better just to to focus on what it is we're actually doing, what's in what's in front of us. Um, and yeah, in terms of like then moving into these flow states, it's kind of less of a choice. It's just when the right conditions arise and you're really present with what you're doing. Um, the last uh, uh, fight I had, I was fighting quite late in the evening um, and I was on uh, last or second last and there was a lot of noise coming up. I was trying to sit and meditate, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just to pass time. Uh, But with all the noise and the commotion, it can be quite difficult. Naturally, sometimes following your breath, um, especially if there's kind of the pre-fight nerves and things might not, isn't always the the best thing, Mm -hmm. you know, to, 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 to focus on. So I was found myself a quiet space doing some walking meditation and doing things. But from um, this walking meditation, which was kind of burning up any excess uh, nervy kind of e- energy and really getting into the body, straight away from there, some kind of gentle yoga to then warming up, hitting the pads and building the intensity to where I need to be for going into the, the fight, but having a continuity of the the body and just being present, inhabiting the, the the body fully throughout the whole process. And then you just let the conditions take, um, do their own thing, right? Mm. You've trained as an athlete, you have the skills. You actually need to, you know, let the, the kind of uh, self-concept take a back seat, you know, let go of the the ego just and just be there for it, you know, and let the training um, unfold, you know, because the body knows what it's doing. Um, so, so the so the intention and the mind training really um, is is in a, is through daily life, through daily practice and training. For me, the um, competition just kind of at that point should take care of itself. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it reminds me of, uh, you know, there's some debate, I guess, around flow because a lot of people will talk about flow. People who have experienced flow, right. will say how automatic things feel, right? Like, yes, I'm just, I'm not thinking about it. I'm just doing, I am kind of merged with the experience and, you know, in mindfulness, we talk a lot about coming off of autopilot. So it's like, well, wait a second. If flow is about being on autopilot and mindfulness is about coming off of autopilot, how do these things kind of fit together? And 
<clears throat> I really like uh, something that Sue Jackson had said, which really resonated. It's like, this is maybe kind of a, a semantic issue in the sense that when, when athletes are talking about the automaticity of their flow experience, perhaps what they're actually naming is effortlessness, right? That, that like you're saying, all of these hours of training, all these experiences that I've built up towards, like kind of culminating in this moment of competition, right? I don't have to put effort behind bringing it out. It's there for me. All I got to do is step out of the way. And then those skills come out effortlessly, which is different than being on autopilot, right? Because when we're on autopilot, we're really not aware of what we're doing. But I think someone in a flow state is, is incredibly aware of what they're doing. They're just not judging it. They're just not thinking about it, but they're very present with what's happening. Um, and so I think like this apparent, this is my bias or opinion, I guess, but like this apparent discrepancy between like mindfulness and the automaticity of flow, I think is actually not a discrepancy at all. I think it really is like you're saying, it's just our, 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 the skill set that we've built, like just coming out without much effort. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that, but I'd also mindfulness is kind of playing a slightly different function, I think in a flow state. So I think mindfulness is present within flow, mm. but um, but flow is kind of separate from mindfulness uh, itself. Mindfulness is kind of doing an overseeing, open, receptive, just gauging what's going on because there might be something that comes in um, that can enhance the flow state or something that might hinder it. And so mindfulness is kind of playing this, um, just a feeling out of what's going on and what's happening. And yeah, absolutely, the things are happening automatically because they've been trained, but we're still very much aware and yeah. present with all the movements um, or what's unfolding. And that's kind of the job of mindfulness in flow or in deep, deep states of concentration and meditation, right? Is it's it's this overseeing um, and I, I kind of, I, needing it's overseeing what is needed do we need a little bit of more of this or a little bit more less of that just to kind of fine tune uh, our mm -hmm. experience so i think i think um you know we might be mindful of like a certain movement in the gym say we're we're learning how to throw a straight right hand or something you know and we can be mindful of the experience we can even be aware of the kind of thoughts that are coming up like oh i can't do this it's difficult blah blah blah. It's those other things and we can be mindful of this stuff um whereas when we move in a kind of more concentrated or flow state uh mindfulness uh it takes a bit more of a, a, a expansive overviewing um certainly is is the experience that the um that i've had because it certainly does i mean the some of the most extreme um cases of having flow it's really not felt like i've been there or mm -hmm. i've had an opponent it's just been stuff happening <laughs> and i've been taken along from the for the ride so there is this really uh, automatic uh, quality of it but at the same time, I was very much there, Yeah. you know? Um, so it's not automatic in that I'm, my mind's away doing something else and you're just going through the motions, which is a very, very different, yeah. maybe the opposite actually of, 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 of flow. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
And I really like the way you're talking about it too. I mean, because it's so much, very much in line with what you were saying before about mindfulness is about like how you live your life and like playing sport is just a piece of that. It certainly feels kind of aligned with the philosophy behind MSPE that it really is about a way of, a way of being, a way of perceiving and interacting with the world. And so like, yes, if you are more mindful, you know, do I think that it would facilitate getting into a flow state? Absolutely. Do I think that over time it actually can help reduce anxiety? Absolutely. But it's like, right, like those are separate states and where we can be mindful while we're in flow and we can be mindful while we're being anxious or while we're feeling anxiety, right? But these are things that happen, specific mental states that we enter into or go out of that we can be mindful of. It is this, right, this overarching kind of all seeing thing, which I think is such a powerful part of of the philosophy and like really something that feels important to me when I'm teaching mindfulness, like this is about so much more than just like focusing when you're playing your sport, right? This is really about how you, how you carry yourself in, in, in your life. Well, I think something that's so relevant too, which has come up a lot in our discussions on this podcast is making the choice to let go, making the choice to trust yourself, right? Mm-hmm. That, that involves a lot of mindfulness too, Right. And, and because you make the choice to trust yourself and, and to go into this different mind state, that certainly, I mean, I think this is what you guys are saying. It, it certainly doesn't mean that we're turning off or we're shutting down or we're going into autopilot. Right. It, it means that we're, we're letting go and allowing ourselves to perform, which, which I always look at as a radical act of courage. You know, and I, when I work with athletes, I try to build on that, right. That, that you guys are out there you know, all eyes on you and, and putting yourselves on the line. You've worked so hard. And, and so in that moment, think about this, this badge of honor and in, in choosing to trust yourself rather than trying to protect yourself from failure, right? The kinds of things that tend to take us out of flow, right? That, that disrupt, whether it's anger, like we were saying before, or fear. Um, I, I really see that, that part, that, that aspect as a choice, even, even the choice to let go and, and stop um, trying to micromanage yourself. Yeah, 100%. It's, and it's not just uh, a choice to let go, but it's a training in letting go. Mm-hmm. Right. It's from every single time we are sitting in meditation to walking, and it's that, uh, and, and that's what I see this practice as. It's, it's, you're not gaining anything from it. You're just letting go of a bunch of stuff that <laughs> doesn't need to really be there, that just hinders, just gets in the way. Uh, often yeah yeah well Rowan this has been awesome uh it's it's like I said we we uh we met you you attended one of our trainings and and uh we were so glad that you hung around for a little bit afterward and brought up this really interesting topic yeah um which I think we were able to dive into a little more deeply today so uh, I hope it was as interesting to our listeners as it was to us we we really appreciate your time and um this is so fascinating um so thank you very much um and, uh, you know, no pressure, but uh, I'm aware, you know, you, you are a teacher, you have your own business, your own organization. And um, so if you have a website, anything you'd like to share with our listeners, if, if they're interested in learning more about you and in, in your work, anything you can point, point people to? Yeah, sure. I mean, if um, anyone's interested, you could um, email us, uh, info at harmontieboxing.com uk, um, and you can get us there for any of the martial arts or meditation stuff um, and yeah I'm, I, it's been great uh, like I was saying at the start there I got uh, my two favourite subjects <laughs> one. so uh, it's an absolute pleasure for me and I just hope people listening have been able to take something from it you know? 
I would imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You had a lot of, a lot of great stuff to share. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and of course, we want to invite listeners who, who might want to connect with us, the MSP Institute. There's lots of ways you can do that. You can visit our website at www.mindfulsportperformance.org. Um, we also have our, our companion YouTube channel for our podcast where we post our meditations. So uh, when we release Rowan's episode, we'll also uh, release his meditation on our YouTube channel. Um, and that's just the audio uh, of the meditation. Um, and we also have our Instagram page for our podcast and the handle there is at mindful underscore sport underscore podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, uh, and you can connect with me, Dr. Keith Kaufman on Twitter. And my handle is at mindful sport doc. Um, and we also just wanted to take a moment and thank our supporters behind the scenes, our colleague, Dr. Carol Glass and our producer, Taylor Brown of EnduroMind for all of his hard work and guidance. So, um, thank you to them. Thank you to you again, Rowan. Thank you to everyone who, who listened. Yep. Yep. Thanks everyone. See you next time.